Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Music Knowledge today. Um, I've got a special guest with me who's been with me before, and I'm so thankful that she's coming back to talk about another topic today. We're going to talk about sync licensing with Emma Wallace. How are you doing, Emma, today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing fine. I'm so glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> um, last time we talked about custom songwriting and which is a little bit different topic from this. Today we're going to talk about sync licensing. For those who don't know, sync licensing or synchronization licensing, if we want to be fancy, is getting your music placed in things like television shows, advertisements, video games, movies, and other commercial usages. And by commercial, I don't mean a television commercial necessarily, though that's an option. Mm -hmm. I just mean any kind of commercial usage and what happens is that each time that show or commercial or whatever is aired you're making money off of the usage of your composition provided that you have ownership of your music and you've properly registered it with your performers right organizations and other royalty collecting agencies you can also make a sync fee which is an upfront fee that you get for that so it's either a sync fee and royalties or it's just a sync fee or just royalties. Mm -hmm. So how does one get into this whole world? Well, I'm going to let uh, Emma go and go ahead and introduce kind of how maybe she got into the sync licensing world. Well, I actually heard about it first. I was working at a music studio as a teacher and somebody had talked about a licensing library. And um, that's what with sync licensing, you can work directly with the music supervisor or advertising director, whatever it is for the, the production. Um, and I do know of artists who have gotten placed directly into an NBC show, but I've only ever worked, uh, mostly only worked with libraries. So um, when you get placed with a library, you submit your music to them and then they shop it for you. So it's pretty much at that point, um, completely passive income which is great after you've submitted it and everything. <laughs> so um, what I had, I had talked to another musician at the studio that I was working at the music studio. And he talked about this. Uh, he actually talked about this license library where he said, it's, it's impossible to get any songs accepted there. <laughs> so I was of course um, <laughs> challenged. And so I went home and applied for it. And then I got accepted and one of my songs and um, I got other ones rejected too. So, um, but I happened to get one accepted. And so then that started this, Oh, this is fun. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And it's, it's, it's very tantalizing because you feel like, Oh, I can make, billions of dollars. I'm going to spend all this time on it. And there are people who have made livings doing it. Um, however, I have not, I have made some years I have made I, at least every year I, I make probably several thousand a year from it. And some years on the higher several thousands, like as in up to five figures. And, but most of the time it's probably between two and 4,000 a year for um, licensing. So that's how I got started in it. Okay. Well, thank you for, for that um, glimpse of kind of your journey into it and how that's going and everything. I mean, I think it's important for people to know that this in along with many income streams with music can, can turn into anything. 
you know it's it it could be something that a person does in addition to many other uh revenue streams mm -hmm. it can be something that somebody does pursue full-time and i do know artists who make this their main gig and there is a strategy to that and then there's always the factor that it's a little bit up to chance mm -hmm. in some ways mm -hmm. because you can write music that is for sort of cinematic purposes um, you can write music that caters to a certain listing like a someone needing a certain type of music for mm -hmm. a certain type of scenario and then you can put music that you've already written into things like music libraries and and see if it ends up fitting for some project mm -hmm. or another now before we go further i want to i want to define a couple of things here when you are the composer producer songwriter and you want to get your you want to make your music available for sync licensing purposes because you got to make it available nobody's going to go find you necessarily mm -hmm. um you want to put it uh, before the eyes and ears of music supervisors. Now a music supervisor, sometimes called a music director, is a person or usually a team of people mm -hmm. um, who chooses the music for these different purposes. There's someone who does it for advertising agencies. There's someone who does it for probably lots of people who do it for streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all that stuff. There's people who do it for movies, movie production houses. Mm -hmm. And so what and that's their full-time job. So what you're trying to do is make your music available to them and catch their attention. Mm -hmm. And the couple of ways you can do that at least that I know of, and maybe Emma can help me with more if you know of more, are you can submit directly to music supervisors, which is kind of a game of emailing strategically and phone calling strategically and knowing someone who knows someone and stuff like that. But I do know somebody who does that and is successful. You can also submit your music to what Emma's talking about, which are music libraries. And some of them you have to apply for and be approved. Mm -hmm. Some of them you can just throw all your stuff in. Mm -hmm. And there's different ones that cater to different scenarios. For example, there are ones uh, that, that are more for commercial, excuse me, advertising clients. <laughs> okay, there are some that are more for the streaming service kind of uh, music supervisors mm -hmm. and there are some that are only for prompts bumpers and cues prompts mm -hmm. bumpers cues those are slang terms for the little almost sound effecty type of things that that happen like in a scene transition mm -hmm. like you're watching a reality show and something dramatic happens just before a commercial and you hear this dun 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 right <laughs> okay that's an example of a prompt bumper or cue and some of these places only do that and then there's a whole separate category which is not really what we're talking about because we're talking about royalty generating stuff but the other category is um royalty free music which is kind of like well, 
what shutter stock is for photographs. And I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Emma? I'm so sorry to technically royalty free. They still play royalties on it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So if something is considered royalty free, what it means is that they pay for it once and then they can, they have it. Most, most licenses are, they're called needle drop licenses, which means every single time they use this in a different project, they have to pay. Um, A royalty free one is they can use it now whenever they want to, but whenever it is played on a, on any kind of network, you still do get royalties on it. They, you can sign over your rights. Um, that is still something that, um, that technically, once you, the only way in which, as far as I know, you don't get royalties, um, as in my experience, is if you, if I were to go, I no longer own this song at all. So yeah. you take it. That's like what we had mentioned before this, the show about epidemic sound. Epidemic sound, what they, do is they pay you say three thousand dollars five thousand dollars for your track it is no longer your track mm-hmm. it's gone it is now their their track um and i've even seen articles on how epidemic sound has done stuff like we take this track and now it is no longer emma wallace's track now it is melody gardner's track they just make a pretend person and put it under her fake whoever she is type thing. So they do that where they create artist avatars type thing. Um, And so that's part of like, that's the only thing is if you sell your music and you get rid of your rights, other than that, even a royalty free music library, you still technically, if it is placed in something like Netflix or on NBC, you would still get ASCAP or BMI or CSAC royalties for it. Which, for those who don't know, are called performers' rights organizations. And if you want to own your music, you don't just have to copyright it. Mm -hmm. You need to register it with a performers' rights organization. And the ones in this country, in the United States, which is where I am right now, are ASCAP, CSAC, which is an invite-only one, and BMI. I personally am an ASCAP member. And then I think what's important (laughs) is that those aren't the only royalty-collecting agencies either. And some of them collect different types of royalties. So it's best to just register your music with all of them. And then another thing that you should do is there are two parts of ownership of, of a musical work. Um, and and a sound recording you can be own it as a composer and that's 50 percent of ownership the other 50 percent is publishing so with ASCAP for example you have to register you have to create a composer account and a publisher account mm-hmm. to to have 100 percent of your ownership and then royalty splits are kind of what you're talking about Emma with when your piece gets placed in something mm-hmm. you're going to have some kind of royalty split deal so it might say something like 80/20 deal or something like that and and for the majority of of the libraries and things that I've worked with the artist uh retains most of the share i mean the 80/20 is 80 for me you know depending on what you're 
what who you're dealing with it could be anybody you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is a lot to throw to throw at everybody <laughs> in the first few minutes but but you know if anybody's trying to get into this take it step by step look up some some libraries that have music for music supervisors i also wanted to mention and i promise i'll let you talk in a minute emma i'm so sorry um <laughs> but i i can't not mention that there are also listing services like taxi and broad jam which are not sync libraries but they you can respond to listings from music supervisors and music libraries mm. people who will shop your music to a music library and then a music library shops your music to music supervisors or maybe there's an agency or somebody who's who shops it directly to music uh, supervisors and i've also gotten a placement from an ad agency that just works directly with broad jam and found my piece and put it in um i will loosely define as kind of an ad sort of thing so anyway <laughs> so anyway um, song trader does that too song trader is similar it's free which is nice where i think taxi you do pay to submit i don't know about broad jam you I do pay and and broad jam you do pay per submission as well i think i pay a monthly fee with them too i don't know i should really look it up and find out exactly but you know in in some circumstances it's worth it to cut mm -hmm. your teeth in places like that because when you're looking at listings you're getting accustomed to the kinds of music that music supervisors are looking for uh netflix narcos used one of my songs and that one was placed cool. through yeah um placed through a library so it was uh one of the libraries i've submitted to crucial music um, which has probably given me my biggest um not necessarily my biggest paying gigs, but my definitely my showiest gigs. Um, like as far as like placements, they got me the Netflix one. They got me one at Nashville and like when they had, oh, and I had one on, um, like they've, they've given me the most ones I brag about to people <laughs> that I put on my, on my, oh yes, I worked with Netflix. <laughs> um, I, I'm bookmarking it right now. <laughs> now what Crucial Music does, and they just actually now started accepting cover songs, which is just really great because I have cool. a whole slew of cover songs that I do for my Patreon. Um, but uh, with, with Crucial, you submit on a per song basis. Um, most other places I submit to, uh, triple scoop, um, is one that does a lot of like wedding romantic photography. They really gear their libraries more towards wedding photographers. So you're not making big, um, chunks of money from them, but I get every quarter I get a paycheck from them. So that's a nice, they're a nice little, little, um, company. And, um, with, with triple scoop, you submit, to get accepted as an artist there. And then every time you release an album, you send them your music. Um, and it, it's a bit of work to do the submission, as you know, too. So to sit there and like do all the metadata and go, okay, I guess this song has 1700 different moods and here's how it feels <laughs> and here are all the lyrics and you have to do all this writing out. With Crucial, you do it on a song by song. And I kind of like that just because um, then I, I'm not just, sending them a bunch of songs. I'm sending them here specific songs that I think are really good. The thing is crucial does reject a lot of your stuff. So it's sort of like you get one in, you get several rejected, but 
But then with other companies, sometimes you just get the whole thing rejected. You send in your songs and they're like, you are not a good fit for us. And there's one company that's in Portland that I keep applying for because it's cute because it's called Marmoset Music, I think. Um, and I've applied there, I don't know how many times, and they still don't want me in their music library, despite the fact that I think I'd be a good fit. Um, so uh, there's the, what I recommend doing is go to Music Library Report. Music Library Report has a, basically a directory of all the different, um, it's, it, it's a paid, it's a subscription site, but it has a directory of all the different types of libraries. It divides them in between exclusive and non-exclusive. It talks about the pros and cons. It tells about how much they pay. It tells the type of music that they like, the type of um, clients that they have. Um, and they are also like blogs and chat rooms where you can kind of get support. Well, like, hey, I, I submitted this. How do I list this in ASCAP and that sort of thing? So, um, wow, that's, that's an amazing resource. I mean, I've been in this game for a while and I didn't know about any of those that you just told me about. Yeah. It's like this weird world of millions of things to do. Like, I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like there's no, like, I didn't know about broad jam. <laughs> so right. I was, so, you know, you never know what you don't know. And it was something like this because there isn't one, I mean, with music library report, what I did is I paid for, because I'm, you know, I was trying to have a low overhead. What I did is I went on and I paid for one month at Music Library Report and basically did tons of research on that one month, copied down the ones I felt like would be a good fit and cataloged it all. And then once my subscription was up, I just pursued those ones. Um, <clears throat> and, but I do think it's a totally worthwhile, if it's something that you want to do and make a lot of money at, um, the Music Library Report people, the guy who runs it is really, really great. And, um, I've had a good experience on there and I still get their newsletters just because you can get some little tidbits of information from them. But that's what I would recommend people doing right off is go and at least do a week, get a week subscription to music library report and just sort of sift through it and get an idea. Oh, here are the ones that are accepting lots of, um, that's how I found triple scoop. That's how I found, um, wow. uh, audio socket. That's how I found all these different places, uh, was through the music library report. So, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And this is why I run Music Knowledge, because this is not easy information to just go and look up. Music mm -hmm. career opportunities? <laughs> you know, nobody but musicians and people who are working closely with musicians know <laughs> what a lot of these things that I talk about um, are. Mm -hmm. let alone kind of the ins and outs of how to find opportunities and opportunities that are specific to a person's talents. Now, I've pulled up the Music Library Report site, and as of today, which is uh, late 2022, um, it looks like, you know, you can get one week access for $24.95, one month access for $39.95. Now, that so might sound like a lot. However, if you scroll down a little bit, lifetime access is 350 bucks. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Are you going to pay 39.95 a month for the entire year and end up paying more than that? Mm -hmm. or are you just going to bite the bullet and get a lifetime access for 350 or one year access for 120? You know? And there's also an uh, an option for a phone consultation plus a one month subscription for 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to get into that community 
you know that's that's as easy as it gets and folks it is worth it to pay for things like this mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. please please do your due diligence and research it and make sure that it's right for you and not a scam or something like that but it is worth it to pay for these things wouldn't you say i i totally agree um i i I think what I had done is I did a week because that's what I, I did as I did the week as I was the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I had just quit my um, full-time salary job that I had taken for a couple of years and I quit Good it. Good for like, you. I'm going to do music and. <laughs> Good for and, you. Thank you. Yes. So um, that was back in 2007. And, yes. Um, yes. And, uh, and they, that's what I did is I paid for a week and then I just. I just researched and researched and researched and researched and they had an option at the time. I don't know if they still do, but they had an option at the time where if you had experience with the previous, if you had an experience with the library, you could write a report, a review of the library and they'd give you like a free week. So I don't know if that's still running or if he runs it here and there. Um, But I had experience with crucial. So I wrote a review of crucial and I got another week. So with those weeks, I sat there and did all this research and, um, and it's something that I want to do like frequently, like every couple of years, let me go back through, see if there are any new libraries that are, that are coming up. What, and and they, they do things like they say, here's what people, here are other musicians experience with them. And here, you know, that sort of thing, which is very, I I find really helpful because I I feel like that's the thing. Like uh, there are a lot of, there are some companies that I, I like there's there's one library that I've recently I recently signed on and um I it's not a it's not a negative like it's not a bad library so I don't want to like like but I I spend a lot of time putting a lot of songs up there and I've gotten nothing from them and sure. I would say that amount of hours I put in and I've gotten zero dollars and so that's this type of thing that had I looked that particular library up on music library report they could have said this that if you have this type of music that's what's going to get placed and that's a big thing with like crucial they tend to place a lot of um, instrumental pieces Um, I've the big pieces I've gotten placed for the most part have been my emotional piano songs sure sure Um, and I've gotten a couple of like and they also have I've done like a couple quirky piano girls songs too. Um, those ones have gotten placed. Um, and yet I have other companies where they're totally that, I mean, other, there are other libraries that just, that's not what they're looking for. And so that's not what clients are going to go to them for. So you can have, they can even get accepted. Like I got accepted to that one. Um, and I just spent a lot of time uploading things. And I think I've made 34 cents from them. <laughs> so <Sure. laughs> it's like one of those things where you just have to, you know, you never, it's, it's good to be able to do your research because even if all it takes is time, uh, it's still time, you know, and uh, that's the only way you're going to be able to make any money. So you want to make sure that you're using it the best way you can. Definitely. I mean, and, and like I said in the beginning, different, different libraries sort of cater to different styles or different contexts in which they'll be mm-hmm. using that music. And uh, I think a good thing to do also is when you find music libraries, which I've found them other than other than from other sync licensing people and sync licensing educators, I've only found them from Google searching. Mm -hmm. And if you search and you pick through hard enough, you'll find them. Mm -hmm. And most I mean, pretty much all of them, because hello, it's 2022, have a lot of information that kind of gives away what kind of music and what kind of context they're working with heavily. 
Some of them will brag about their clients. We do all the McDonald's and Walmart stuff. Okay, well, you're seeing those commercials all the time. What kind of music is in that? And they often show off all the examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or we work with this streaming service or that streaming service, or we've placed this artist, this artist, and this artist. And the other really big thing is, do they work with exclusively, some of them do work with exclusively stuff with vocals mm-hmm. or exclusively stuff that's instrumental. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be submitting instrumentals like I did in the beginning, submitted a bunch of instrumentals <laughs> to a library that was really heavy into vocals. Right. And, you know, then, like you said, it's it's all that, even if it's just time, it's a lot of time preparing music for mm-hmm. sync licensing. Let's talk about that. How do we, what are the things we need to have prepared for music libraries? Do we need stems? Do we need alternate mixes? Do we need short and long versions of the tunes? Do we need metadata? What do you typically have to submit? Well, it depends. Um, as you said, Jingle Punks um, is somebody that I've gotten a lot of placements from as well. Jingle Punks is kind of like a funny uh, company because I have made, I think I've made $18 from them, from them just directly. But I've also made thousands of dollars from their placements because they, because they will license it to somebody else. Like I had one um, song placed on a Jezebel, it was like a Jezebel commercial, like a Jezebel um, vlog, like a video that they did on um, on the Jezebel website. And I've made, I made, I got tons of fans from there. Like I would say that probably at one point, the majority of my fans had come from that article. Um, That's awesome. And yeah, and I got, that was back in, uh, in, iTunes days. And I was, I think I made $9,000 in a month from, from downloads. I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a star. <laughs> no, I was awesome. It, it was amazing. So, um, but I made I, from that placement, I think through actually through jingle punks, I think I only made like $5. Like I only got that much from jingle punks, but for them, they want uh, an instrumental version. If you have a vocal, a vocal version, they want a 60 second version they want the long version. If you have a, almost every place I've submitted to wants also a clean version, if you have a clean version mm-hmm. and an instrumental version. Um, but Jingle Punks had a lot more. They want one that's just uh, just piano. If you have one that's like piano, get all these different things. They want just, if you have like, oh, I have a piano percussion version. I have a piano guitar version. So mm-hmm. one without the background vocals, one, so that they, the more st- options you have for jingle punks the better and a lot of the places i've gotten through jingle punks also are stings or the what you've said the um oh that's another word for prompts bumpers and cues are stings yeah. <laughs> stings so i've gotten a lot of uh of sting placements through jingle punks as well so um but but with like crucial music the big thing with crucial music is metadata the same thing with the other company um audio sparks it's all, it's like the audio sparks is pages of metadata. You have to write this oh, down. Yeah. You have, you have to tell, okay, here are the influences. Here are the instruments that are in it. Here's the BPM. Here are t- 20 words to sum up the lyrics. And here are 20 words about the mood. And here it's, it's, it just becomes like, it's every song takes you about between 10 to 20 minutes to just upload it, you know? Oh Yeah. That's that's a big time consumer, and if you are prepared 
to do all of that, then it makes it a lot easier. So automatically when you're making your music, you want to have, um, I think two really good examples um, are Broad Jam, just for its metadata information that you have to punch in. Uh, they're, they're looking, it's really thorough. They're looking for, of course, tempo, key, Mm-hmm. And genre, I think, are are three of the biggest points of metadata. Those are the start. And then you have mood. So mood can be anything from like spooky to like emotional to love to, you know, angsty to fired up to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the instrumentation as well is what they want. And then there are there are options like sounds like and they'll give you a list of artists Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then of course is it instrumental or does it have vocals does it have male or female vocals or both Mm -hmm. you know does it have screaming vocals does it have harsh vocals does it have country vocals you know there's all these things that you need to fill out and essentially for anyone who doesn't know what metadata is that's what it is Mm -hmm. and so what i have are a couple of templates for metadata and I just keep them in my Google Drive and copy and paste them whenever I finish a composition, then that's automatically there. The other things are like alternate mixes and stems. For anyone who doesn't know what stems are, stems are, you know, when you're making a, a when you're making music in your DAW and you've got your different tracks lined up, stems can be anything from just individual tracks to things like if you're miking a drum kit and you've got four mics on it, you can mix just those four mics and call it a drum stem. You got to bounce all the stems too. And then you have to have alternate mixes. Like you were saying, Emma, sometimes you just have like a piano guitar mix, right? right. What are some other good examples of kind of alternate mixes? Well, the ones that I've done with, again, with most of my, my stuff, I just usually have um, instrumental and then vocals. Um, with jung- Jingle Punk's the big mixes that I had was I had the, they wanted a 60 second one version. Um, and then they had one where I would just do the piano and percussion. Um, and one where I did it without the main vocals, but kept the background vocals and the rest of the instrumentation. And then one with just the, I think I did one, I did one where I'd have like the main vocals and the piano. So it was simple, like a simpler version of it. Those those are a couple of things with, with, with Jingle Punk's they don't want you to submit a song unless you have other options. They don't want just yeah. uh, here, here's my song. And here it is with, you know, instrumental. They want you to have at least two or three other options for each song. And that's what Tune Edge does too. I'm in a library called Tune Edge, which, which took some of my electronic music and right off the bat, just to put it in the library, you have to have, I think a, uh, full mix which for me i only write i only submit sync licensing stuff that's specifically made for sync licensing so it's all Mm -hmm. like two minutes long um but they want the two minute version they want the 60 second version they want the 30 second version Mm -hmm. they want you know like i think i had to put in two alternate mixes Mm -hmm. um and then extensive metadata Mm -hmm. now with something like broad jam which serves a different context they don't ask for any alternate mixes but when you do get a placement, you may get asked by the person who's right. placing it if if you can have if you have an alternate mix or, or a shorter mix or something like that. 
Um, but you know, it's kind of nice when they do ask right up front for right. you to get, give all those mixes because then you don't have to worry about it again. Right. You might, but it's a slimmer chance than just throwing it in in its full, in its fullest version. Right. Right. Then you know okay. you're going to get contacted later, so you right. better just put it in a folder and be ready. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> A massive thank you to Emma Wallace for coming to the podcast for the second time. It's such a pleasure to interview these amazing music pros who are also amazing people. Check out the links to Emma's music and more in this episode's description. This is Emily Zimmer signing off, and I'll see you next time on the Music Knowledge Podcast. Hey, sorry for the interruption. First, thanks so much for listening. If you love what you're hearing, it really does help if you leave a positive review. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're finding this information helpful, if you like our guest interviews or anything else, I'm kindly asking you to please leave a positive review on whatever streaming platform you're using. It really does help me continue to put out the best content I can for working musicians. Of course, I'd love to keep this thing going and keep helping musicians like yourself, so I thank you for making this easy contribution. Well, let's head back to the show. Hey, listeners, you've probably heard me talk about one of my favorite passive income generators for musicians, sync licensing, which in a nutshell is getting your music into TV, film, ads, and more. Sync licensing is so awesome, but it can sometimes be challenging to start. You've got to spend hours sifting through sync music libraries and find the ones that are right for your music. This can be a monumental task. Well, I've got a great solution for you. It's called Music Library Report. Click the Music Library Report link in this episode's description. This incredible resource is a community of composers giving their own reviews, tips, and opinions on music libraries so that you can start submitting to the libraries that are perfect for your music without hours, weeks, even months of trial and error. Again, click the Music Library Report link in this episode's description. Hey listeners, you may have heard me mention my first big successful music job, which was teaching lessons. I couldn't have made my teaching business so successful without some important tools and resources that helped me massively along the way. I want to share my favorite tool for folks who teach fretted instruments like guitar, bass guitar, ukulele, and mandolin. It's called Guitar Pro. And this is the best software I've ever found for creating and editing sheet music for my students. With Guitar Pro, you can create tabs, standard notation, chords with rhythm notation, and so much more. You can even play the sheet music with virtual instruments, adjust the playback speed, bounce the audio as an MP3, and more. It even has a built-in metronome, tuner, and chord and scale libraries. If that's not enough, there's also a Guitar Pro app for tablets and phones, so you can take your interactive sheet music anywhere. Folks, this is so great, I can't say enough about it. Just for being a faithful listener, I want to give you a 15% discount on Guitar Pro. It's easy. Just click the Guitar Pro link in this episode's description and use the promo code MUSICKNOWLEDGE for your 15% off. That's right, just click the Guitar Pro link in this episode's description and use the promo code MUSICKNOWLEDGE for 15% off.